Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland on News Talk. We want to talk about the world of architecture and construction. Like everyone else, they're suffering with higher input costs, higher costs, and of course, their advice and skills are very much valued in a world where everyone seems to be refurbishing, <laughs> knocking buildings down, rebuilding them. It just seems to be that time of the year. But also COVID had a big effect on the construction industry and upped the amount of commercial building going on. And joining me for this week's industry review are John Dorn and he's a director at Dorman Architects. I also have Courtney MacDonald of Courtney MacDonald Studios and I have Gronya Dunn who's a co-director of Studio Red Architects. You're all very welcome to Down to Business. Thanks for coming in this afternoon. Um, if I can talk to you first, John, you're on your own here on the left, <laughs> isolated. Talk to us a little bit about where the industry is at the moment. As I mentioned in that introduction, COVID meant a lot of people were stuck at home. They decided to do a lot of construction work. If you walk past almost every street in Dublin at the moment, you see a skip outside with various things going on. What has it been like over the last three or four years for architects? There seems to be a lot of work around. Or is it an industry that's actually under a lot of stress and pressure? <laughs> we're all always <laughs> under a lot of stress and pressure. Um, it's been particularly challenging over the last the last few years. Um, I think well, we're when COVID struck in March 2020, uh, that was the point where <clears throat> it was kind of like uh, it brought me straight back to 2011 and when the recession really hit, when we came back into into work in January 2011 and came into a completely empty office, nobody there except the bosses. Um, had that same feeling in in March, except this time there was nobody in the office. We were all at home. The streets were deserted. We had no idea what was going to happen. Um, there was a, a a lot of fear, um, a lot of a lot of worry. Um, but just bit by bit over that period in 2020, we we began to see that that things were continuing. We just had to manage it. We had to kind of find a way out of the the difficult situation we were in and start building again. And slowly, bit by bit, work started to come in. We all began to find a way of working, including working with contractors who were at that point um, off sites. Um, uh, everything was restricted. So um, and just over the last two years, we're, we're back up again. Well, that's we're, good. we're working, except that then the, the more recent challenges. Sure. I mean, obviously, we have the climate crisis. And yeah. We have, have war, etc. We, we, we get war and climate yeah. and yeah. etc. Stuff like that. Uh, Gronje, if I could turn to you first. I mean, obviously, we're hearing throughout this entire programme, we have a particular focus, obviously, on inflation, the energy supply chain issues. Now, you're thinking, OK, architects. Sometimes you have a reputation as an industry for being very ambitious in projects and builders are scratching their heart at going, this won't work. Has the cost pressures, does that affect the kind of advice and the kind of things you want to do as an architect? I don't think it has affected me personally at our office, um, but I think that is coming down the line. Yeah, like the pressures are very real, they're significant and they're across the board. Um, and it kind of it'll come back to the, the discussions you're having with your clients. Our real difficulty is advising them in such uncertain times, you know, before you could give them a cost estimate ballpark and be there thereabouts. Now you're kind of saying this is what it would have been in 2021, 2022 and 2023. You know, you're putting a finger in the air and yeah. You really don't know what's going to happen. It's also very hard to control main contractors because their cost variations are real and you can't say they're not. So. And in terms of commissions that are flowing towards the profession, is the biggest increase in domestic household work or is it on commercial buildings or where, where is the, the, the kind of order book coming from? I suppose every every office would have different 
work portfolio like we do a lot of residential and some public and that does remain the same but I think the commercial side of things is changing I don't know John might have a better sense of that um domestic seems to be remaining strong at the moment um but it's hard to tell how it's going to impact the next few years well there's a lot of savings but maybe they've been depleted in recent times um in terms of what you're looking at Courtney you're you're in the the game for a while I mean what what are people looking for? Obviously, there's so much different types of work. There's building regs that mean you don't have discretion a lot of the time. I mean, I tried to, once dealing with an architect, I said, I don't want that. And they said, well, you've no choice. This is a legal requirement. And I went, oh, OK. Um, so, you know, it's not as if you, when this inflation pressure comes on, architects will be allowed sort of cut things out or leave that out. There's a lot of stuff that is embedded in the law, isn't there? Absolutely. I think the big one really at the moment is um, achieving the BEOR minimums. And uh, what that means now is our cost per square metre for renovation, renovating has gone up. Um, so now, you know, you need larger levels of insulation, um, better U value through windows. Um, and so that all adds to the to the overall cost of, of renovating. Um, even if you're not necessarily knocking down a lot of internal walls or changing the structure, it's actually the the cost really goes into what you don't actually end up seeing at the end of the day when you move back into your home. And John, in, in terms of the quality of Irish buildings, I mean, you, and I, this could be terribly unfair, but you don't hear people saying when they land in Ireland, the quality of our public buildings is knocked me over when you think of the great European cities. But are you noticing strong improvements in our design values and so on in the kind of work that's going on around the place? Um, uh, certainly, um, uh, at, at some at some levels, yeah, absolutely. Um, there's some uh, extraordinary work being carried out um, in Dublin and and around the country um, uh, at all levels, at all scale. Whether it's at the small domestic scale, um, the, the the back garden, or or some of the larger commercial buildings, and I'm not necessarily talking about the uh, the the big glass. Uh, Buildings that we're seeing popping up all over the place the last number of years. I'm talking about some of the some of the more finer buildings. Like uh, I think people will be familiar with Grafton Architects with O'Mahony and Pike on um, on Fitzwilliam Street. The, they have just completed the most extraordinary building that Dublin has seen in in many many years, and that's what I would love to see more of around the city. Um, but but generally uh, the the standards are very high. Um, and, and it's very clear if you walk into any building. So I think if people walk around with their eyes open, they will see sure. quality. Now, yeah. to get the business, you have to tender. Um, obviously, the state, when it does jobs, OPW or whatever, or various government departments, that's very laid out and there's a very strong procurement set of legislation governing that. But a lot of commercial private companies will also do a tendering process as well. How, how well do we handle that in Ireland? I mean, is that something that kind of helps the bigger firms or if you're just a, a solo operator, is it very hard to get through that process? Yeah, the the public tendering process is very stringent in Ireland, and particularly so. And and it actually it makes it very difficult for um, for younger practices, for smaller practices to um, to get in there. And I think it's a it's a it's a hugely missed opportunity. We're missing um, so much innovative design that that is coming out from uh, the younger practices. And for example, um, uh, Neil McCullough, um, uh, one of uh, Dublin's great architects, who sadly died uh, earlier this year. Um, his comment was, uh, if you want to see exciting 
and innovative work, look at the back gardens, look at what people are doing to their homes, look what architects are delivering. And it's and it's not about the scale. It's just about that the blending of the new and the and the existing. And I think um, we're missing that when it comes to public procurement, because small practices are inevitably cut out from that unless you have a particular um, a high turnover or have very high uh, professional indemnity or can show that you have delivered X number of these that particular type of building you don't have a hope of getting in there okay. um, and I think uh, I think it was Peter Carroll from A2 Architects um, he turned it on his head and he said well we instead of having maximum turn or minimum turnovers we should have maximum to bring in the opportunity for the young practice to get in there Now Gronia you've been down the road of taking on the bigger players the, like dare I mention certain names but People will be familiar with your Scott Talent Walkers, etc., the big companies. But in 2008, you set up Studio Red Architects. First of all, that was not an easy time to set up a new architect. <laughs> I'm sure it was everyone telling you at the time, what are you doing? Get well, out of actually, here. It was just before it all went kaboom <laughs> that we set up. Uh, hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Um, yeah, we, the, uh, as a positive, you know, if you've set up your company in a recession, you they say you've got the best chance of surviving the next one in a cyclical industry that has such as construction. Um, but yeah, we set up in 2008 and then there, there were some dark days after that. Um, but I'd say for the last maybe seven or eight years, we've, we've had a very good level being consistently busy and we stayed small so that we can kind of pick and choose. So how do you how do you how do you get your commercial message out there? I mean, presumably you're not doing advertising, though I could be wrong. But is it word of mouth? How do, how do people find you, or where do the commissions come from? And I don't give too much away, obviously. <laughs> well, no, it's kind of like everybody else. We have a media presence. We have a website, Instagram, and uh, putting out the lovely images that kind of uh, everybody likes to see. People are kind of addicted to images of lovely, lovely fit outs and buildings, and a huge amount of our work is. Uh, reputation and reference referrals and repeat clients um, and then we have gone for tenders as John has described it is uh, torturous for smaller practices we have some public work now um, which could potentially get more public work but the system really is closed and it really yeah. is and the cost of when you don't get it you mean you can put a lot of money in for zero return yeah some of the most torturous forms i've ever seen in my life and i've seen a good <laughs> amount of torturous forms but it's a real loss to ireland that the talent isn't getting a chance like it's actually everybody out there who lives in this country is suffering you know it's not just the industry the buildings that could have been Yes, they end up on the cutting room floor for various reasons. It's really bad for for us as a country, yeah. Um, Courtney, picking up this whole tendering thing, which is coming across strongly from all of you, I mean, is is it tougher for the smaller firms to kind of get a look in at all? Yeah, just to um, continue on from Gráinne, I think it is is a pity, really, um, that, you know, smaller studios like ourselves um, don't get that opportunity uh, to, to do... Public work, you know, it, as John said, you know, obviously design is one thing, and then you know, knowing about um, uh, your your income and what you, what you take in every year. But really, design should be the main focus that you're assessed on for this work. And it's cost, or what? 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 What do they use as the criteria when they're marking, doing a marking sheet of a, a few tenders? In in the public work, or oh, well, either. I mean, what what are the things they use to pick go with one rather than another? 
Um, oh, I, with the builders, I suppose, yeah, it's really uh, their experience. Um, you know, have they done similar projects before? Um, you know, what kind? Yeah, what kind of work are they doing? So, so cost is not. A, you know, I would. I'd be saying to myself, we can get the same work from this person for a lower price than this other person. So, is, is that where they come, or is it just the work stands alone above all else? Uh, no, I think it's. I think it is a blend. Yeah, yeah. of all three. Yeah. And, and are contacts important in the industry? Just sort of people you've known and worked with before. Is that important? I'm presuming in Ireland it is. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. Yeah. In terms of where it's going to go now, we've been in the construction. We've had a huge ramp up in asset prices. You know, we're in. A, I don't know if it's still called it a property boom, but it, it's we're on a cycle. There's some leveling off. Interest rates may bring things down. I mean, how? How easy is it for you guys to get used to this cyclical nature that you were talking about? I mean, is it just something you're almost used to as an architect? There'll be that kind of pattern or, or can you prepare for something like that? Is there always a, a kind of a worry that there's a downturn coming and work can dry up? Probably more than other industries that have maybe a bit more stability. Uh, yeah. Are yeah. you just, it's just, it's not just being an architect, that is just it, you know, you just... We're all going to leave here nervous wrecks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is, there is, uh, I think as architects, we, we are used to the cyclical nature of it. And it's, and it's about being, um, being smart, being flexible, being able to kind of uh, grow or reduce as, as you need to be able to, to bring in the expertise from the outside when you need to, rather than actually having uh, in-office expertise. So it, we really just have to be pretty clever in how and uh, how we manage our, our business. And talk to me a bit, John, about the relationship between the builder and the architect. We're all, as outsiders, fascinated because we see this on these TV programmes, these very uh, sometimes robust exchanges in a bit of a building site. It may be for the sake of the TV cameras, but um, tell me your personal experience <laughs> of dealing with builders um, and, and please keep it legal if you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I mean, for the most part, I, our relationship with builders is good. We, we, we have our moments. Um, I had one yesterday on, <laughs> on site where we're just sort of there was that kind of heated moment and oh, what, uh, do, what do you mean? Is a physical well, altercation? <laughs> no, it's not a physical, but it is a verbal and okay. and you're you're both taking your position about some particular aspect as as both of us were yesterday, but we know that there's no point in both of us sort of like turning our backs and going into a off. We have to actually work it through, and we do, and that's what we do. We just we we work things through because ultimately, <clears throat> the builder architect client. Um, has to be a good working relationship. If it isn't, everything suffers. So, I mean, that's, I suppose, what, what any experienced architect will do, that they develop a good working relationship because you're always working with different builders. You're not necessarily working with the same builder all the time. That's great if you can because then you, you understand where you are. But when you got to work with a new builder, well, then you've got to find a new way of working. And it's the same with working with clients or, or anybody else in the industry. And architects are particularly good at doing that. Okay, so Gronia, a bit of diplomacy helps. I mean, what, what's your? How would you characterise the relationship? I'd say uh, people management is ninety percent of our skill set. Um, you know, to be successful in our industry, you have to, you know, bring everybody along to this vision that you have of the end. So yeah, we we have a, a lot of builders that we work with repeatedly over and over, and you do build up trust over the years, and uh, that. I think that's a real benefit to your clients if you if you have that relationship and it exists and it there's trust there they really benefit from that but yeah you uh, as John says you have to work with new builders and 
there's always this bit of testing the water on both sides. Uh, they want to see, you know, how, how tough are you? <laughs> <laughs> so there's a bit of testing with the waters Definitely, initially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, building sites, I don't think of them as, uh, as environments where there's uh, soft softness necessarily works. But I think it has changed. I think you're, you're absolutely right in the, the relationship. You can see that in the television shows that we we won't main name, by the way, because there's a certain Irish architect I'm determined to do this icon <laughs> without mentioning who that person is who's on RTE. Um, uh, Courtney, in terms of you've added interior design, as part of the function of your company tell me a little bit about where because I've, I've never quite understood where architecture veers into interior design where, and where that line is yeah I think there, there can be a bit of a blur actually and even uh, you know sometimes people will kind of ask what do, what do you do and what you know what, what do you include and not include so I suppose for me our, our practice we try to have a kind of a holistic feel to um, how, how we design so we will design everything from the architectural you know fabric of the building right down to um, you know designing doors uh, cabinetry kitchens all of that so that stems really from I suppose previously I would have worked for firms where it re- would have really been just solely the architecture would have been designed and uh, maybe... Would a separate person have come in then at the end for the finish, as they would call it? Not, sometimes not even an interior designer. It might have just been down to the client and... You Throw know, a few cushions there and yeah, put and a can, pot plant in the window. Yeah, and it, it can be very overwhelming for uh, clients and homeowners to, you know, move in on day one and then they have to make all these decisions or or actually make all those, those decisions and showroom visits as the, the project is on site. So what we try to do is take that out of their hands and, um, and look after that for them and... You know, so it's kind of a, an umbrella, really, of services that we provide and and a holistic um And tell me a little bit about design. what a householder wants. Like, again, none of them are typical. Some of them live in fine Georgian um, mm. palaces. Others live in small, smaller three beds. Maybe some of them live in apartments. But in terms of what they're looking for, would, would a lot of householders say, look, I, I don't need an architect. I just need someone to come in and do something with this wall and move this thing over here. Are they missing? Is it because there's regulations or do they just want a very top quality finish at the end of it all? Why do they need you, in other words? Yeah, it really depends on what they're trying to do. Um, I suppose what what we try to do is is provide expertise and experience. I mean, it's a, a huge one. You know, we've already made the mistakes on other projects so we can bring that experience to, to the project for them and um, and help them to renovate and imagine a house maybe different to how they think is possible. Um, we're also there to help them choose how to spend their money in the best way and how to save money. Um, so it really depends on, on what they're hoping to do. I'm, I suppose if they're looking to do any kind of extension or major renovation, then planning permission is needed. So, you know, we would take care of that for them as well. Sure. Now, we love concrete in Ireland. We just love it. You just <laughs> look around you. You're, you're probably, the, yes, you're in a concrete building here. But if you in other countries, they, they go with timber and they go with wood. Grony, I know you've been looking at this sort of modular style um, timber based housing. I suppose the first question is, why are we so addicted to concrete? And secondly, do, do you think there'll ever come a moment where we will cross over and start doing in big numbers uh, housing and other buildings in timber? Do you see it as being a, a big thing? I'm thinking of the Irish weather, but maybe I've got this wrong. <laughs> well, I suppose when we're looking at modular housing, the internal leaf is built of timber so it's actually potentially clad in brick it still would appear to be mm. a brick building but would be structurally timber um, it's hard to move away from concrete and block because all of the builders are very content okay uh, and I suppose that's what they know that's what they yeah. know um, you know con- construction methods have changed hugely um, over the last two decades and it has become a very complicated when you're looking at air quality, 
humidity control, you know, all of these um, elements of the BUR. So it's become extremely technical. So you just have to make sure that people can actually also still build it. So, yes, I think things can be built entirely from timber. We can move away from typical building materials, but we need the main contractors to take that journey with us. Yeah, because if you go anywhere in the US, they're 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 crazy for their timber houses and and some very big houses. You go go to right down the the east coast. It's it's perfectly normal. So it's probably a cultural thing, as you said. Well, they have a lot of earthquakes. You know, I think we're uh, <laughs> we're in a you know we we don't have that to worry about. So. Construction methods vary around the world for loads of different reasons. Um, but yeah, brick and block are readily available. People know how to use them. And sometimes they can become a cheaper option simply because that knowledge is there. And um, where the knowledge isn't there, contractors sometimes apply a bit of additional cost just because they're they're learning. Uh, but, you know, it, it's getting more common. People are, the, the skill set is, is there it's out there. It is possible. We just need to keep pushing for yeah, more environmentally well, friendly materials. Yeah, it might it might lead to the kind of interactions that John was talking about earlier on in the building site when you first unveil those plans. But it's certainly something we'll have to look at as the years go on. But for now, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you very much for that uh, snapshot of where the industry is. A few interesting years ahead. We've John Dorman, who is the director of Dorman Architects, Courtney McDonald of Courtney McDonald Studios and Gronia Dunn of Studio Red Architects. All three of you, thank you very much for thank joining you. me thank here you. on Down to Business. Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland. Saturday morning at 11 on News Talk.